when you look at the uniqueness of the individual, you can really start to see, okay, do we have some gaps here? And is that why this aspect of the business is not growing? Okay, what are we going to do about that? So understanding that having unique individuals in your business is a gift is the best thing that a leader can get their head around rather than thinking they're just trying to push you or trigger something in you or they're just being annoying. Let's look at what that's really about and why you need that person in your business and what they're bringing that maybe your other staff are not bringing right now. Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and I'm so excited that you're here today. On our podcast, we are going to be talking about the things that inspire you in business to help you create a conscious brand that will not only build credibility and give you more opportunities in your business to thrive, but also help you to create in a deliberate, conscious kind of way. This is a place where meaningful conversations will inspire you to create, pursue, and thrive and shine in business. You would have seen that I had literally in the last 24 hours about my journey of health and discovering the importance of putting myself first and also maintaining energy levels. So this interview and this podcast episode is so timely and I'm really looking forward to hearing what Sean has to say. Sean, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Phoebe, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Likewise. And it's been like we have connected over a couple of months ago now at the MBN, the Melbourne Business Network. And it's been so wonderful to see you at the events, to meet you in person and to chat. And from our conversations, I have discovered that there's a really important topic that needs to be heard and needs to be discussed more openly, particularly in the corporate world and also around business and in the workplace. And that is the topic of burnout and also of people culture. And Sean, you have worked in HR for many years. You have helped people with, you know, you've built leaders, you've built teams. What is the common, I guess, what's the common denominator that you are seeing that's happening at the moment on in this area? And what's something that we can do to avoid it? Well, you've hit the nail on the head, actually, Phoebe. One of the key conversations at the moment, particularly for leaders and managers and through the HR profession that are trying to support those leaders and managers, is that word burnout. People are absolutely wiped out after the last couple of years. And I think as leaders and managers, we are trained to deliver first for our staff. So, Taking care of ourselves right now is something we don't naturally do. We're always on the front foot when it comes to our staff. We're always there to make sure they've got the best technology they need, the equipment they need, everything they need to create their success. However, what we need to start really building and start thinking about is our self-awareness about how we're taking care of ourselves. I talk to people all across Australia and people across the globe. This is not unusual. This is what a lot of people are struggling with. It's about building our self-awareness about how we take care of ourselves. I think it has really opened our eyes the last couple of years in particular about how we haven't done that. It's very hard to flip that mindset 
when you're somebody who is constantly giving to others. But when the pot's empty, there's nothing more to give. So having an awareness about what we need as leaders and managers to do to take care of us, I think is one of the one of the best benefits that's come out of the last couple of years. We are now building that understanding into leadership and management conversations. I speak to a number of people and for a lot of people, it hasn't stopped with the pandemic. If you talk to the people in Brisbane and New South Wales, then, you know, we now have the flooding situation and we talk a lot, particularly in Australia, about being stoic and resilient, but everybody has a breaking point. And, you know, if you have had this constant, we've had two years of pandemic, now we have the floodings, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on for us. We need to be able to say, enough is enough. I've reached my limit. How do I and what do I do to take care of me? Sean, I think you've really tapped into a really important topic and it's something that we're becoming more and more aware of over time but it's still happening. And, you know, before we jumped on the show earlier, you were saying that this is something that is, it's obviously a global thing and, you know, burnout in the workplace, there's more of that being reported now than ever before, particularly because of the hybrid environment of working from home and dealing with also family pressures as well as work pressures. And people are struggling with their boundaries of, Maybe they're not switching off as well as they used to. And so I'm wondering if there's something that people can do to prevent that, whether it's a manager or a business owner. Let's talk at the high level first. If there's someone listening today and they're a manager or they're a C-suite exec, for example, what can they do to avoid that happening in the workplace? Well, one of the key things is being honest with yourself about what's going on for you. I think because we're all so used to being focused on other people, we don't take the time to reconnect with ourselves. And we all have an internal navigation system. It's our head, our heart and our gut. But we're very good at ignoring the signs that it's telling us that there's something not quite right. As children, we get told to listen to your parents, listen to your teachers, but at some point we have to flip that switch where we're no longer looking outside of ourselves for those decisions and those understandings. We're actually connected to what's going on for us. What does our head tell us? What does our heart tell us? And what does our gut tell us? We're getting three messages when something's not right, but are we listening? So the first thing we really need to do as individuals, particularly when we have responsibility for other people, is to have a connection to those three things. That's the very first step. We're very good at ignoring the messages. So first step is to build our own self-awareness. The second step is to find a safe space to be able to voice what's going on for us. So Again, we're very good at putting everybody else first. And then we wonder why we're always at the bottom of everybody else's list. It's because by putting everybody else first, we've actually given them the understanding that we're okay with being at the bottom of the list. But if we want to be at the top of our own list and we want other people to respect us at the top of our own list, we have to help them understand what that is that we need. And we need to do that by having open, authentic conversations. 
and building those across the workplace. So that starts right from the top. That starts from the CEO. That starts from the senior leadership team. If we want our staff to show up and be authentic, then we have to be prepared to lead that. And those conversations right now are going to be imperative to building safe, engaged workplaces moving forward. I think that is such an important topic and I agree. I think a lot of business leaders need to be having those conversations with not only individuals but with their teams and openly having those conversations. I truly believe as well as individuals when we go to, when we take ourselves into the workplace, when we go and we show up each day, especially if you are working in a environment where you are serving others, for example, healthcare, if you're a nurse or if you're in the medical field and you are serving others, you are really putting out a lot of energy. And I know that from personal experience, I've experienced burnout myself and I've experienced what felt like debilitating anxiety, which was, I would say it was about 10, 11 years ago now. And I was working in the medical field. I was a radiographer back then. And I was really trying to be strong and have it all together and trying to maintain what looked like, you know, success on the outside. And I was really struggling. And I remember during those times feeling like nobody else would relate or understand and feeling really alienated and A lot has shifted in the last 10 years and I don't know if that's because also of my own awareness and my own, you know, personal journey or if it's the culture as well and the conversations that are now being had and the importance of taking care of mental health and how much that has shifted as well. And But I do think that if back then those conversations were had in a tea room or in a meeting where people would identify the signs and help their workers identify that and feel that it was safe to open up and share or that they weren't the only ones going through that, I think that would have been a very different scenario for me back then. It was over a decade ago, but I still remember it clearly how much, how scary it was. And so I think that This conversation is so important because for those that are going through any form of whether it's depression or anxiety or whether you're overworked and you're just feeling like you haven't been doing the self-care or the self-love or putting yourself first for a long time, now is the time to start and it's always better now than never or now than later. And I would totally agree with everything you've just said. I do think we've come a long way, but I think we have a long way to go. There is still a difficulty in initiating and having those conversations. People still find it a very difficult topic to have as part of any ongoing business environment. But as you also correctly point out, so much has changed in the last couple of years where previously we would come into the workspace, people just knew us. They just knew how we presented in the workspace. They now know as a result of the last two years what my lounge looks like. My children are running around in the background, whether or not I've got a dog or a cat. And a lot of people are having to kind of wrangle with the decision around, do I take what everybody knows about me now back into the workplace 
because they have a totally different understanding of who I am as a person? Or do I up sticks and go somewhere else to actually have a fresh start? So I walk back into the workplace, back in just as me, back in how I would have approached my workplace three years ago. And the other side of that is that the family dynamic has changed in that how do we now as families move forward back to where the kids are in school every day, they're back to that environment where they're not around their parents, they've got that anxiety, they've literally been with their parents pretty much, particularly here in Melbourne, pretty much every day for the last two years. So how do we now get that, all those processes happening as a parent How do you now deal with the fact that you're pretty much putting your child back into school? It's a new experience for them again. So there's all that change happening and it's been consistent for the last three years. And as we know from working with humans, we are humans and some people cope with change really well and some people have a limit where they are just at the stage where I just can't cope with one more thing changing right now. So how do we navigate what's going on around us? And really, we can only take it as we are as individuals. So that authenticity, that ability to be able to say, this is what's going on for me right now. And this is what I need to get me to where I need to go. We have to have that conversation with ourselves so that we're always making sure we show up the best we can. But understanding that right now, What's gone on in the last two, three years has changed pretty much everything. And we need to adapt to that change. And change is good, but it does take time. You can't expect people to just turn up tomorrow and go, yeah, I'm fine with everything that's just happened. You have to allow for people to go through the process in their own time. So that's one of the key things, I think. I think not a huge amount has changed from 10 years ago. There are still a lot of people that struggle very much in that space. So there's a huge learning that's happening as well. And that can also be scary because where's that going to take us and what's that going to look like when we get there? So it is very difficult for people right now. I agree. And Sean, when we were at the MBM and you were speaking on stage about change management, you shared this really beautiful story about your son when he was 10 years old and a conversation that you had with him. It was so lovely and so sweet, but also so insightful at the same time. Can you please share with our audience today on the Conscious Business Podcast a little bit about that story and what was said? Look, it was my daughter was 10, my son was eight. We were having an extension, a reno done on that property. And about three months in, we'd had all the new part of the house built, but we just decided while the builders were there, we'd get them to renovate the old part of the house as well. So sat both the children had been part of the process all the way through, sat them both down, explained to them what was going to happen and cracked on as we thought that we'd got their agreement. Everything was fine. They had chosen all their new bedroom stuff and everything was going great. And my daughter came home one day and we'd had all the new internal doors put on. And she just looked at her bedroom door and said, I can't go in there. That's not my bedroom. That doesn't feel like my bedroom anymore. Why do I have to sleep in there? So for the next three nights, she dragged her mattress off her bed and slept on the landing, which meant her brother had to step over her to get into his room. But, you know, he knew his sister quite well. She was always the one that was 
was more outward about how she felt. So he just stepped over and went to his room. You know, it's just, oh, Josie's on the landing, no big deal. And we've laughed about it since. But this went on for three or four nights. And in the end, I said to her, you need to help me understand what's going on for you because I really don't understand why you're struggling so much. You know, we, you were part of every conversation. You know the builders are going to be here for another two to three months. Just help me understand what's going on for you. And she said, I just can't cope with another single change. Every time I come home, something else is different. So we sat with the builder and built a chart of what was going to happen on each day so that she could actually know before she went to school what would be different when she came home. So she was prepared for the change. So she had an understanding. And each week we sat with him and he was so brilliant with her. We sat down, we went through the process. It felt a little bit painful probably for us, but for her, it's exactly what she needed. And we got to the end of the build. But three weeks after this had happened with my daughter, I was putting my son to bed and I said, you know, just doing the usual, how was your day and all that kind of stuff. And out of nowhere, he said to me, so mum, is that a new door? And I went, yeah, it is. He was like, oh, how long has that been there? I said, oh, about three weeks, sweetheart. And he was like, oh, I really like it. And that was his acceptance of the change. So what that taught me was the incredible difference with how the extremes of how people handle change. And when we reach our limit, we need to have strategies and processes in in place that allow us to continue going through that change process. So when we're working with our teams, we know that somebody will be going through the last two or three years and they will have coped well and others will be really struggling with the amount of change that's happened. So we need to understand where each person sits and we need to facilitate their opportunity to progress through the change. I find people to be very similar to how they were. Those fundamentals that sit inside us as as people is very similar to how we were as children. We don't change that far. We have greater understanding, but when we're in stress, we tend to revert back to those kind of DNA natural behaviors. And I think that is a, they're not that different now how they handle change. My daughter still very much has a limit and my son seems to sail through most things and just go, oh yeah, that's fine. So there's huge differences in huge extremes in how we deal with things. So yes, it's one that stayed with me. (laughs) I love that. I thought that was so cute, his reaction. And I also think that as a mother, hearing the way you handled the situation and the way it was so different for your daughter and your son, and I'm sure they have strengths in so many different areas and they must be two very unique individuals. And I think that's how we should approach our teams as well and look at our teams and understand that everybody's different. Everyone's personalities are different. There are extroverts, there are introverts, there are people that are more technically geared. There are people that are more creative, that are more, you know, social. And we've got to understand that each person brings their unique gifts and they all, we need to approach everybody differently. And I think what you've just shared is a really clear example of that. And it's it's a reflection of how we should be doing things in the workplace as well. And I agree. I think one of the key things that I do and what I, one of the parts of the, my role that I really love is looking at that uniqueness of the individual. You know, 
it's very easy as human beings to assume that somebody is just doing something to push your buttons. But when you sit down and look at what motivates them and what drives them, often what's happening is they just come from a very different perspective. So they're not doing anything to wind you up. They're just being themselves. But because your perspective is so different, that is something that can push a button for you, that can trigger a button for you. But the key thing to understand is that to have success across any team, you need all the different types because otherwise, as I have often seen in the past working with businesses, they've employed a series of mini-me's, people that are exactly like them because they've got on with them and they really like them and the conversations seem good. But then the reason they end up coming to somebody like me is because key areas of building the business is not happening because they didn't employ anybody with that mindset or that skill set. And that's when we can really, when you look at the uniqueness of the individual, you can really start to see, okay, do we have some gaps here? And is that why this aspect of the business is not growing? Okay, what are we going to do about that? So understanding that having unique individuals in your business is a gift is the best thing that a a leader can get their head around rather than thinking they're just trying to push you or trigger something in you or they're just being annoying. Let's look at what that's really about and why you need that person in your business and what they're bringing that maybe your other staff are not bringing right now. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What is one thing or what are some steps that people can take today from this podcast? They've realized, okay, They've got to understand that everybody has their limits. Everybody's different. We need to also be aware that there's more burnout happening in the workplace. We need to understand individuals a lot better. What are three things that either a business owner or what are three things that people who are listening today can do to make sure that their workplace is healthier and happier? That's a really great question, Phoebe. For me, the first thing is facilitating some authentic conversations. We bring people into team meetings. We talk about the business aspect of things. We talk about our KPIs. When was the last time you sat your team down and said, hey, this is a safe, confidential space. Nobody in this room is going to be judged, but I just really want to know what's going on for you right now. We've got coffee, we've got some pastries, and I just really want to know what's going on for you right now. Is it home stuff? Where are the pressures? Where are you sitting around the pressures? Have you got concerns about work? Have you got concerns about home? Let's create a safe space, which is confidential. There's no judgment in the room. Everyone will have an opportunity to speak and be heard. And I will facilitate the conversation, but we've got coffee, we've got pastries, even take them out of the work environment and just get people coming together again. That need for engagement is where we sit as human beings. If you look at Maslow, what's happened is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we normally sit within that need to belong. What's happened is a lot of people have gone right down to the bottom now. They're concerned about survival. What are the things that they've got in their life? Have they still got a roof over their head? Can they still afford their mortgage? There's a lot of concerns around our livelihoods right now with the price increases and all those other things. So what can we offer in a workplace that allows them to have a safe space to say, actually, I'm really concerned about the increase in mortgage rates. That's a big concern for me. I've, you know, me and my husband or my partner or my wife, we're trying to sort things out, but the finances is something. 
it's a conversation that people don't like to have. We don't like to admit things like that. That's another really difficult topic. It sits really high there with mental health as well as our financial health. We don't like admitting if we're struggling. But these are key conversations. You know, okay, so would it help if as a big business, we organize somebody to come in and do some financial training with everybody so we can help them understand where they are now, where they want to get to. And, oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. I'd be up for that. If you understand where people are, you can understand how you can support them. The more you support them is how you get them fully engaged in the workplace. So that would be my first thing. The other thing right now would be I'm seeing a little bit of which feels a bit uncomfortable for me is people are making promises that in six months time, it's very possible they won't be able to sustain. So be realistic about what you're offering somebody if you're bringing them on board, what you're going to offer somebody to keep them. You know, these inflated salaries that we're seeing might be okay for now, but the pressure on that employee to deliver is going to be huge because of the added expectation based on the added amount that they've just been paid. So it's going to be huge pressure on the employee and huge pressure on the employer because they've got to now maintain that. And then what do you do with all your staff that have stayed loyal to you but haven't now had a pay increase? So we're creating a really stressful workplace right now by all the things that we're seeing out there happening and feeling that we have to compete. Let's stay true to who we are as people and let's not overpromise because we might have the money in the bank right now, but are we going to have the money in the bank in six months or a year? And what is the knock-on effect? We're going into crisis management mode again. And what I'd like to see is us as businesses and leaders sitting back into considered management approach. Where do we need to be in five years' time? But let's start thinking ahead again now. Let's build our strategy. Let's revisit our plans. And that would be my third one. Revisit where you were before, because the last two years we have had to crisis manage. It's been understandable. So many things have been thrown at us. If the building's on fire, you don't call a committee meeting, you evacuate. And we've had to do quite a lot of that over the last two, two and a half years. But now things are starting getting back more to business as usual. We can actually stop and think and get back into a considered approach of how we lead and manage others. And that's very much where C-suites need to be now. I love that. I really, really love that. I think that those three tips, they are gigantic and they are very, very impactful and will make a huge difference moving forward. And I'm looking forward to having those conversations with my team even more. We do have weekly conversations that get everyone to share their learnings, challenges, and also what stretched them as well and their wins as well. And it's really good each week to see faces light up and to hear what was challenging and what have they learned and overcome and what are they win- what is something that they can celebrate. And I really believe that these conversations for each person, they don't necessarily have to be very deep. Some of them, some people will be really raw and vulnerable and some may not, but we've got to be receptive and also be intuitive and listen. Yeah. I think we've got to hear what's not being said as well, which is a skill and very important one. Yeah, agreed. Sean, it's been 
such a pleasure having you on the show. I now have some rapid fire questions, which is going to help our audience get to know you personally even more. And I'd love to go through this. If there's anything that you want to share with us afterwards as well, we'd love to get your links on the show notes and also allow people to connect with you further outside of this podcast. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So, Sean, our first rapid fire question is, if there was one thing that you cannot live a single day without, whether it's something physical or non-physical, what would it be? I struggle to not have my first cup of coffee in the mornings. I make a filter coffee. I'm not big for milk, but I like a fresh coffee in the mornings. I just find that I love the smell. It really wakes me up. And yeah, I really enjoy my first cup of coffee, preferably homemade. As I say, it's, I've got my little cafeteria and my cup and I feel very happy when I'm drinking my first cup and the smell. Oh, love it. Oh, I, <laughs> I totally agree. And if coffee was right for me, I would be having it every single day. But I love the smell <laughs> of coffee as well. It's so fresh. Mm. What or who inspired you to do what you do today? Oh, look, I was very blessed. I've had my first part-time job when I was 16 and my manager was a lady there, Mrs. James. And I was so blessed with her as a manager. She actually encouraged me to consider a career in management, which was something I thought I would have to work up to. But she was like, no, we can get your qualifications in management and then you can start a career in management. And I didn't realize how blessed I was to have her at the time. It's only since then that I've looked back. But I accepted my first full-time management role when I was 19. So she was an incredible role model for me. So I, I she inspired me and then continues to inspire me. And I think I have probably adopted quite a few of her management styles as I've gone through the years. So yeah, she was amazing. I love that. I think that the people that come across our paths early on, make a really big impact. And I think it's a blessing to have people like that who inspire us to continue on and continue with that legacy. I mean, it sounds like she really left left a legacy behind. So that's amazing, Sean. Rapid fire question number three, where do you see yourself in five years time? What do you want to have accomplished or what change do you want to see in five years from now? I think possibly close, getting closer to retirement, definitely having a plan as to what that looks like. For me, hopefully it involves lots of sunshine somewhere. But yes, I love what I do. I would like to be moving more into the sort of consultancy side of things rather than the doing side of things. I love the doing right now, but in another five years, I will be well into my sixth decade And I think I will be, yeah, thinking, okay, how do I negotiate moving towards just more of that consulting side rather than the doing side? I love it. I love what I do. I love working with people. So I don't ever want to stop that. But yes, I think in another five years time, I'll be thinking, hmm, okay, I've seen quite a few changes. Might be time to just start pairing back a little bit. Who knows? Who knows? I'm always open to other conversations because I love what I do. Mm. And Would you say that in terms of the consulting side, would you say that you're helping people a lot with adapting with change or is it more around teams and and building teams and HR? What would you bring to the table if anyone was to engage you as a consultant? 
So for me, it starts with fundamentally making sure that the business is secure. Once the foundations of the business in place, then the next thing I can look at is, okay, now let's secure the position of the staff because the two go hand in hand. You don't build your house of straw, you build it with a brick foundation. So making sure that the business is secure as far as governance and compliance, making sure the staff are secure as far as governance and compliance, And then you get the really exciting stuff and the really challenging stuff is just when you look at how does the team work together? How do we build those relationships? How do we build their skills? How do we, as a consequence, deliver better productivity and performance for the business? So it's those three stages. And I love working at all three levels. I think for me, moving forward, I would love it to be more around and It will take probably five years for us to see the majority of the businesses back with that solid foundation. So there is definitely work to do there. But for me, in five years time, I would like it to be more focused on that juicy, interesting for me. I love working with people. I love getting to understand them and I love helping them understand themselves so they get what they bring to the table. As you said before, we all have a unique value. But do we know what it is? Are we aware of it? Do we know what we bring to the table on a daily basis so that we can go home? Because I'd love to tell you that every single manager is going to say, thank you for showing up today. I'm really pleased you came. You did a fantastic job. But I can't guarantee that. What I would like to be able to give every person that I work with is the opportunity to say to themselves, you know what, mate? I'll give you a pat on the back because I'm really proud of you today. You did a fantastic job. You showed up. You did your best. I know there were a few people who didn't feel that you did your best, but you know you did your best. You absolutely know in here that the work you delivered today was your best. There will always be skeptical people who question that. That's fine. That's for them. But you know that you turned up today. You did your absolute best. And did you make a mistake? Yes, you probably did because you're human. But hey-ho, what have you learned? And how will you do it differently next time? So that's the bit where I'm hoping I'll be able to do more. But culture is an integral part of any business. But right now, we need to be making sure businesses are solid and safe. That's where the bulk of the work is sitting for HR. Totally agree. I think that's amazing. And I think more of those conversations were had. People would feel so appreciated, seen and heard. I love that. Yeah, I agree. Sean, what's one big takeaway that you've had recently that changed the way you see the world or what's one big change that gave you a big aha moment recently? Oh, a big aha moment. That's a very good question. Not sure that's a rapid fire answer on that one. I think life is a series of aha moments. You know in yourself when a penny drops about something You see the penny drop when you're talking with somebody. I think there are aha moments all the time. I think the biggest thing for me that life has taught me is that the way to success is to understand who you are as a person and then surround yourself with people whose mindset matches yours and whose skill sets complement yours so that you create a whole set of skills but with a shared mindset. I think that's what life has taught me, my biggest aha moment ever. I'm not quite sure when it happened. I'll have to be honest about that. But I think it is very important that when we, as we understand who we are, 
that allows us to see where our place is. Where do we sit? What do we do well? I think there are times when I'm talking about things and I suddenly think, oh, yeah, that all makes perfect sense. That's when I know I'm working to my strength is when I know that what I'm delivering makes perfect sense. And one of the biggest feedbacks I've ever had, which I'm delighted about, is I make things understandable. So when things seem to be a little bit overwhelming and complex, the best thing we can do is keep it simple. Keep the understanding there. Keep it simple. I think that's probably my two sort of biggest aha moments is be aware of who you are. Think about what you bring to the table. Complement that with other people around you in your success platforms. But also consider how does that fit in? It's definitely got to be with a shared mindset. And then it's complementary skill sets. That's awesome. And I guess what you've just shared really wraps up everything that we've just talked about in this conversation, in this podcast today. Is there one last message or anything else that you would like to share with the audience today that we haven't already mentioned and anything that you'd like them to really kind of cement what we've just spoken about today? I think the biggest thing is what we talked about right at the beginning, which is about taking care of ourselves as a priority. That's not wrong. That's how it should be. So taking care of ourselves as a priority and learning how to listen to the messages that our head, our heart and our gut give us. They're there for a reason. Pay attention. That would be my biggest message. Such a great tip. Paying attention to our head, our heart and our gut is going to really help us make sure we make wise decisions and ones that we hopefully will not regret in the long run. (laughs) John, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all those golden nuggets, your wisdom, your experience and also your knowledge. And I'm so, so grateful to have had you on the show and to share this with my audience today. I will make sure to also leave links to your website and also your LinkedIn for anyone that wants to connect with you further. Is there anywhere else where you'd like people to connect with you that would be the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, LinkedIn's probably the best one. I'm not a huge social media person, I have to be honest. But yeah, LinkedIn is where I'm most frequent. So yeah, please do connect. That would be great. Amazing. All right, we'll do. And thank you again to all the listeners that have joined us either live or listening to the recording. If you have any feedback for us, please leave us a comment or get in touch. We'd also love to receive any reviews on Apple Podcasts if you're listening using an Apple device. And once again, Sean, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to seeing you soon at the next event. Thank you, Phoebe. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thanks, Sean. Speak soon. Bye.